0: You are listening to the 1% Christian. This is the daily Bible study where we get together, we dive into God's word and we do it for 1% of our day. We focus on him and we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he has given us. I am pastor JD Ambrosio of sound of heaven church in Deer park. Got to check us out sometime. Why not today? S O H dot church is the website. Um, and, On Sundays, 1030, we have a service. Now, you can watch online if you go to SOH.Church, but if you're within driving distance of Deer Park, New York, take the trip. A church alive is worth the drive, so they say. And uh, I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app if you go to Soh.church. I'll plug the uh, the website again, or you can go to your Android and Apple Store or Apple Store. Usually you don't have both of those. Uh, you can type in Sound of Heaven and you'll get access to the mobile app. Uh, if you're listening anywhere where you can hear podcasts, like, share, subscribe, click the notifications, invite somebody to the stream to check it out. We're getting a lot of great feedback on This study as we continue through the Gospel of John each and every day. And I have uh, have something to bring up. Toward the end of yesterday's study, I said, tomorrow we're going to finish John 9. And I think what really threw me off was that I was going to leave the last part uh, for the following day. I try to map these out in sections. This way, one, we can stay true to our format and hit time. uh, But also, you know, There's a lot of nuggets in Scripture, so if I can find a few passages where we can pull out something that we can take for the day, but if you remember, I said, no, nah, I'm going to keep going, so uh, no excuses. That threw me off, but in John 9, uh, we see the man healed who was blind from birth. We see the Pharisees get angry about it. Why? Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And what I really wanted to bring up with that, which we'll start there. We're going to start in 9 and we're going to go into chapter 10. And I'm going to read the first part of chapter 10 with you. And we're going to talk about what may be a misconception uh, in terms of a, a very, very popular scripture. So I'm going to leave that little cliffhanger there. But let's jump right in to uh, John. We're going to go back to John 9 when Jesus hears that they threw him out of the temple and uh, asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? This is starting with verse 35, 36. Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I can believe in him. And Jesus says, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him for judgment and Jesus said for judgment i have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see become blind let me read that again for judgment i have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind easy to fly over that for a second and then some of the pharisees hear you hear him and say uh, some pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. I just want to touch on this for a second. And I want to point something out that 8, 9, now going into chapter 10, these are all continuations of the same accounts there's really no lapse in time and what we lose sometimes when we study scripture is we pull out certain ch- chapters like it was a huge blessing I can't think of it now uh, when it happened but I mean chapter and verse was not part of the original manuscripts. you do understand that right that somebody somewhere and I wish I would have thought of it I would have wrote it down but look it up for yourself it's not hard to find it was it was way way later. When chapters and verses were added, so when the original scribes were writing out the Bible, they didn't—they weren't saying First Corinthians chapter two. No, they—they're they're writing a letter, right? I, I would say scribes. When Paul is writing, he's writing an actual letter. When John is writing this gospel, he's writing the gospel of the account. When Luke is writing his gospel, it's actually a very, very long letter to a guy named Theophilus he's not putting chapters and verses in there we put that in there so what happens is a lot of times we say i'm going to read john chapter 8 today and then the next day i'm going to read john chapter 9 today and then when we do that we sometimes real don't realize the historical context or that this is or the audience relevance of it all so why why am i explaining this is because we are seeing the continuation of Jesus dealing with these same Pharisees throughout this whole time. So the context is really important there. And throughout John 9, we see the Pharisees, their traditions blinded them to the power of God. And there's another scripture that basically says it like this, that the traditions of men make the power of God null and void. Now, we don't cancel God's power, but what we do is we almost can omit the power from affecting our lives when we don't allow our traditions to get out of the way. Some of us, and and we get so stuck, even in our religious traditions, that we don't open up and realize that, hey, maybe we, we are doing things out of habit out of just the cycle of our lives. And God is real and the relationship is real. And if we maybe let some of the things that we're used to get out of the way, God will do something new in our life. And that's what he's he's saying here is, is saying he said, I'll read it again. I have come into this world so that the blind will see those who couldn't see before can now see, but those who see will become blind. And, He was exposing the Pharisees' commitment more to their traditions than to God. I hope that makes sense. So now understanding that, we're going to go into chapter 10. This is not just a brand new day. This is a complete continuation. We call it the chapter 10. Let's check this out because we're going to go into a parable by Jesus that people quote all the time. And... We might be able to say that we misquote it sometimes, just a little bit, a little bit, okay? So now it continues, very truly I tell you, John 10, chapter, uh, John chapter 10, verse 1, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So much here. There's so much here. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him. Because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus goes right into a parable. Again, I know it sounds like a broken record, but this isn't a new day. This is a continuation of what we just read in nine. He goes right in and he says, The sheep, if anyone tries to get into the sheep pen, not by the door, They sneak in and they are a thief and a robber. He says, I'm telling this to you, Pharisees. And what is Jesus telling them the whole time? Is that I am from God and you are wrong and you are misrepresenting me here. Now I'll show you why this is super important. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. The gatekeeper is God. The gate and the good shepherd is Jesus. And there's so much here because he says when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus was going to go to the cross. He was going to die. He was going to resurrect. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but this is where we're going eventually. And then he goes to heaven, and then what happened? The church that we see rise up after that, follow him, and even throughout the whole first century, the Pharisees and people tried to pull, were trying to pull the Christians back to the Old Covenant. But they wouldn't have it. So he's calling them out. He's prophesying a bit here, saying, you're going to try to pull away. He's talking about them trying to steal the destiny of the sheep, God's children. Let's keep going. It says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. If you remember, in John 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That word, the logos, the consciousness of God is Jesus. We know that from, I think, verse 9, where it says the word became flesh. But the fact that everything was created through Jesus makes him the gate. The fact that everything goes back to God through Jesus to be born again Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way to the Father. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is talking about himself, but he's pointing to the Pharisees. And he's saying, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. What am I getting at here? I'm going to read verse 10, and then I'm going to blow it wide open. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life, and have it abundantly, or have it to the full. Now, why do I point this out? Is because I can't tell you how many sermons, maybe ones I've preached in the past, before I got this revelation, where we call the devil the thief. Follow me here. We say that the devil is the thief. But when we read it in its succession, we realize that he's pointing to the Pharisees and he's saying, you are thieves, you are robbers. And he says, everyone who came before me is a thief and a robber. Who came before him? All the people of the old covenant. And you may be like, what? I'm not, just just pray on that, okay? Listen, if you want, the thief in John 10 to be a red guy with a pitchfork and, and the, okay, that's, that's, that's okay. You can have that if you want, just understand whatever it is, it's an adversary. But what I'm positioning is, is that the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy in the context of this for audience relevance purposes was the Pharisees. Why they were trying to steal the destiny of God's children. Because if they could pull them away from following the one true God, from following Jesus, from following him into the new covenant, then essentially they dis- they steal their destiny. They destroy their life. And Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's talking about humans, teachers, those who are only self-absorbed. He's still talking about the Pharisees who would rather people stare at them while they prayed on the corner saying, oh, he's so holy. They wanted the attention for themselves. Jesus wanted to point it to God. So he's taking a shot right at them there. And we'll close this out as we near this 1%. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. He's talking about what he's about to do. Like he said, no greater love than this than to lay down your life for a friend. Verse 16 I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What was the mystery of the gospel? that nobody really understood yet at this point, except for Jesus was that the covenant was not just with the Jewish people, that Abraham's promise of many, many nations was going now through the gate. What the narrow gate that was Jesus. And it was for everybody. It wasn't just for one group of people. It was for everybody. And that's what he's telling them. He's not, he goes, you think you're mad now when I'm just bringing some of our fellow Jewish people over to follow Abraham's promise through the true living God. But wait to see what I do with the Gentiles, to the Romans, to the Greeks, to the Arabs, to everybody you think. The gospel is for everyone, everyone, even the people you and I don't agree with. Amen? Amen. Verse 17 it says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This is the command I receive from my father. And the Jews who heard this, these words were again divided. Many of them said he's demon possessed and raving mad. Why well, listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They're starting to realize that Jesus is real. The religious scales are starting to come off their eyes and they're starting to realize that, hey, wait a minute. If this is true, if these implications are true, then we not—we don't need to get in the way. And later in Acts chapter five, I would love to go through the book of Acts with you all. They're arguing amongst themselves, the Pharisees still, and what happens is, is they want to start persecuting the Christians. And get uh, Gam, uh, I can never say his name right, Gamaliel, who was the, like the teacher of teachers of the time, says, "Hey, leave them alone. If it's not real, it won't stick. But if it is real, we can't get in front of God." And I hope this all makes sense to you. That. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that thief is the accusations in your life. It's the trials in your life. It's the religious and traditional mindsets that we get so stuck in our ways that we don't open ourselves to what God wants to do. All of these things can be thieves to your life. They are Satan's to your life and to your destiny. Well, today, my prayer for you, is that you would remove those, tra- you, you would set those traditions aside. Listen, traditions are, it could be an awesome thing. They're ways that we honor God. But when we realize that God and our relationship with Him are more than just traditions that we go through, it's real, it's alive. It's a relationship like you have with the closest people in your life, only it can be even closer because he lives inside you with his spirit. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father, anything that we have that we put up against you, anything that we allow to be a thief to our life, we pray that it be removed in the name of Jesus. We trust you. And we put you before our traditions and our mindsets. And we ask you today, God, make my mind new. Your word says that, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we continue saying that we want new. Just say, I want new. Say, I want new, God. I want to follow you. Say, your ways are better than my ways. And we declare this in Jesus' name. And if you have never, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to do that now. Say, Jesus, be my good shepherd. I hear your voice, and I want to follow you. I know that you died for me. I know that you rose for me. And I will follow you to the best of my ability all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You're listening to The 1% Christian. We're going to continue with John chapter 10 starting tomorrow. Love you guys.